Thanks for joining us on episode 1,344 of the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. I'm Clint Hatton, and I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to live a big, bold, brave life is key. And one way to be inspired to do that is to listen to this the Inspired Stewardship Podcast with my friend, Scott Mater. First of all, we never, as a human, you never need to feel obligated to compare pain. Loss is loss. You know, again, I mentioned part of the reason why I wrote the book and what it was for was because of all the tremendous loss and fear that came through the pandemic and COVID and all that. So I think, first of all, you know, loss is significant and it's, and it's relative to every human being. So welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In today's episode, I interview Clint Hatton. I asked Clint to share with you his personal journey to learning to live big, bold, and brave. I also asked Clint about how this can help you discover or maybe revive your passion and live your dreams. I also asked Clint to share with you how pain often helps us discover or live our purpose. I've got a new book coming out called Inspired Living, Assembling the Puzzle of Your Call by Mastering Your Time, Your Talent, and Your Treasures. You can find out more about it and sign up for getting more information over at inspiredstewardship.com, Inspired Living. That's inspiredstewardship.com, Inspired Living. Clint Hatton has trained over 8,000 leaders with a track record for creating energy, delivering dynamic content, and giving audiences the tools to transform their lives immediately and live big, bold, and brave. Clint helps humans unclutter their thoughts, clarify priorities, and create actionable plans that empower them to become their best version. Clint was awarded the 2017 Distinguished Leadership Award as a Global Influencer by iChange Nations and is the author of the book, Big, Bold, Brave, How to Live Courageously in a Risky World. He's a deliriously happy married man of 20 years and the proud father of three boys. Welcome to the show, Clint. Hey, Scott. How are you doing, man? I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it as well. I talked a little bit in the intro about some of the things that you've done and, and a little bit about your journey, but unpack a little bit more for the listener. What brought you to the point of wanting to put the book Big, Bold, Brave out into the world? Yeah, there was a couple of pretty key things, one being you know huge and then another one just being secondary, but I think accelerated my timing. And the primary uh, thrust behind it was my oldest son, who in 2019, he was just shy of his 18th birthday. He had become a pilot, uh, had a dream from the time he was eight years old. Pretty crazy story. 
ended up soloing at 16 years old before he had his driver's license, got his license at the age of 17, which is the youngest you can be, and was living his dream. And he flew a friend to the University of Arkansas, which is just a little north of us here in Dallas, just getting his hours, just a normal day, nothing unusual. And unfortunately, on the way back, he ran into an unexpected weather system through a little mountain range, mm. and he ended up losing sight. They call it spatial disorientation. And he crashed and he lost his life. And as you can imagine, uh, a devastating blow as a parent. I have two other boys, so they were 9 and 14 at the time. So as a family, it was just, again, devastating. And how that tied into the book is the morning of the accident after we shared the news with the boys because they didn't know it was a very long hellish kind of night waiting to find out all the details and if he had made it and i'll spare you guys the gory details and getting into the weeds of that but ultimately in the morning when the boys woke up and by then we knew gabriel was gone we had a conversation and part of that conversation was i said listen the only way i feel like we can really honor the way he lived is to live our lives the way he lived. And that was, he was very adventurous. Obviously became a pilot at a young age, which is pretty telling, but he had taught himself guitar. He was an amazing photographer. I'm super blessed to have probably thousands if I were to count them, but all, all you know, just a, a catalog of some of his photos and, and just really an, a very talented kid, graduated a year early, overachiever, all that stuff. But losing him, we just knew that we needed to honor his life and not get trapped in his death. And so it would take a couple of years before I wrote the book. Obviously, that wasn't something I was going to start in the early part of the grieving process. But then the second thrust behind that was, if you're paying attention to timelines, this was September 29th, or 23rd, excuse me, of 2019, three months later, COVID hit. And so for us as a family, we processed all of those things together. But after a couple of years of COVID and then just grieving, I just got tired of the fear, all the fear that was just being poured out into the world. And this isn't a political statement for me. I think no matter where you stood on which side of how you felt about the way government and different entities handled the situations, uh, I think everybody would agree that fear <laughs> gripped the world in ways that we've never experienced before. So that was really it. Those two things, losing my son being the foremost, but then COVID just, I, I wanted to write a book because it's not a grieving book. It will cover how we've been able to process that loss, but it gets into a lot of things about overcoming fear and how faith plays into that and really becoming someone who makes a decision that you're not going to allow the gut punches of life to throttle you and keep you down, but you're going to use those situations as a catalyst to have a big impact on this planet and help other people. Let's talk a little bit more about the faith part of it. How did your faith journey intersect <laughs> with what you were going through? Obviously, loss of a child yeah. is a big impact for a lot of people on faith. Uh, right. And then COVID <laughs> was a big impact right. on a lot of people when it came to faith. Absolutely. Uh, and like you said, that that tear between faith and faith and foolishness, right? You know, that sometimes there's fear and then fear there's three F's there, but it's that how those tie together. How did you see that playing out during that journey as you began to think about the book? Yeah. 
faith obviously for me has been a huge foundation. Now I should point out just for your listeners so they get a little bit of perspective. I did not grow up in a religious home. We would check the box maybe dating myself because you don't really see this too much anymore, but even going into school, they would have a little thing you need to fill out. And there was usually where I grew up, two boxes you could check, Protestant or Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) That was all that was on there back then. And so we checked the box Protestant just because we weren't Catholic. And that was about it though. But ultimately I went through a lot as a kid. I don't want to bore you too much with those stories, but had some tough times. I was at about 12. My dad had cheated on my mom. He moved out. She ended up suffering from suicidal ideation. During that time, she almost killed the both of us on a couple of different occasions. Came out of that, but began abusing drugs and alcohol at that very young age, 12, 13 years old. And then into my 20s, had a failed marriage. I started, I got involved in the car business when I was 21 years old. And so became a professional salesperson, but that's where I was introduced to meth. And mm-hmm. so I also abused meth for about nine years. And so it really, for me, it wasn't until I was 30 years old. And that's when, I guess you could say, I'd reached my rock bottom, but I didn't know I was looking for faith. I actually had gotten involved in a network marketing company. And in that network marketing company, my upline and a lot of the leaders, actually the entire executive staff, just happened to all be Christians. And I didn't know that when I chose it. It was just how things were rolling out. But ultimately, what happened, Scott, was my upline, who was very successful. She was on the cover of Success Magazine at one time, that kind of thing. There was something different about their life. I knew that. And I think the difference was I could tell that they, for some reason, no matter what happened, still had peace. And that puzzled me because I never did. When things would happen to me, I would go into a tailspin. So ultimately, I I went to church because they kept inviting me and I ended up making a decision. And so it was really only at 30 that faith came out onto the scene. And through some circumstances, a few years later, I ended up being introduced to my second wife, which now we've been married, my bride Amarillo. We've been married for 20 years now. And during that season, we became pastors. I was a pastor for 17 years up until January. So again, faith, as far as this latter part of my life has been really critical. And so when I wrote the book, I didn't write it as a religious book. I really wrote it just sharing many of the just real life stories of how we had two, two of our boys were born very prematurely, for example. One was born, the last, our youngest son, Liam, was born at one pound, 14 ounces, three months early. And I remember going into the NICU unit and it was a specialized NICU unit. He literally was in this bubble for months. And because at that point, his liver wouldn't have been fully formed, neither would his lungs. So they, yeah, a lot of support. Exactly. that, That many months early. Exactly. As a matter of fact, I'm glad you brought that up because one of those things is when you say the lungs, it's because at that age, your lungs are not communicating with your brain. And so there's these bells that keep going off called Brady's, Brady episodes when they stop breathing because they forgot to breathe. Mm. We, I can't even tell you how many times I heard that bell. And so faith and, and knowing people were praying for us was a huge 
um, support for us during that season. And I remember looking around because you weren't supposed to interact with anybody else. It was also during the H1N1 virus. So the entire two and a half months Liam was in there, only my wife and I could even see him, not even our boys. So they I'm telling you, listener. Yeah, exactly. So I'm sure in that part, leading up to answering your question, because there, there was a track record of God playing a huge role in walking us through really difficult challenges. And I remember looking at those other parents sometimes and just the look of hopelessness on their face. And I just remember thinking during some of those tough things that we went through where faith was such a huge part of our life that I just don't know how people do it. I don't know how people do it. So ultimately, I think when you look at how we've processed losing our son, which far and away doesn't compare to anything else we've went through, it's it's your worst nightmare, truly, as a parent. Having those foundational experiences with God carrying us through really tough times and doing it as a family, which if you want, we can talk more about that later. I think without it, I don't know. I wouldn't be having this conversation with you. I'm sure of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how does, I know you mentioned the the book is not meant to be quote a religious book, but talk about the stories and, and things that are going on. How do you think? Cause again, I, I deliberately ask about faith, not religion, because those are yeah. two different things. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and as you talk about people wanting to live a big bold life, how do you see that faith shows up in that journey? For not just for you, but in general. Yeah, for me, I think there's, and, and if you read the book, I'll point this out. It's very clear (laughs) throughout the book of my faith because all of my stories are centered around that. So even though I say it's not a religious book, it's very clear that we've lived a life of faith and God has done some amazing things. But obviously the book contains some pretty tough stories, but also contains some really amazing stories and huge victories. No, I think my core beliefs and what I'm doing with Big Bold Brave, if someone were to go to my website, for example, it says there's three things I believe about every human being. And that is, I believe every human being was created to be courageous. Now, when I say created, for me, that means God. Now, I know not everybody subscribes to that and that's okay. But for me, that's what it means is that we were created and we were created with a courage. I make that very clear because I believe God already places courage in us. It's not something we have to hunt for. It's already in there. Now you got to tap into it. You got to learn how to to activate it, but it's in there. And I believe we were created with a creative genius. To me, this is key. I believe every single human being on the planet, and and I, I believe I can prove it. I have some proof of it, was created with a very unique, specific creative genius that God implanted inside of them, and they were meant to do something great with it. And then the third thing is, I believe that we are created with compassion. I believe compassion and love comes from God. Whether you believe in him or not, I believe that love, which is the greatest force on the planet for good, right, Mm -hmm. uh, comes from him. And so for me, faith is critical to live a big, bold, brave life because that's where these three key components, in my opinion, come from that allow you to live that kind of a life. 
and have an impact. Mm-hmm. That uh, somebody out there is listening right now and hearing this, go live a big, bold, passionate yeah. life. Do the, and they're sitting there going, "Dude, I could barely get out of bed in the morning." <laughs> yeah, my my job. I'm living a country song, right? My job stinks. My my truck's broken. My my dog left. Everything's going to heck in a handbasket. <laughs> what? And yet here you are saying everyone has that ability to find their own passions, live out their dreams, get, do something big. Yeah. What, what would you say to that person that's that's their life right now? Yeah. Take it day by day. Here's the reality. I'm going to quickly explain where that phrase come from because I recognize about context. That's a nice that's a nice buzz phrase, right? Big bold brave. Okay, great. That, what does that even mean? And where that came from was obviously I already gave you a little bit about just you know, the adventurous character of my son Gabriel. The morning after the accident, we were contacted by a couple of different news agencies. One of those was NBC here in Dallas. And it was a plane crash, first of all, which is always going to make the news. And then the fact that he was only 17 just made it even a bigger story in a sense. And she called me and and said, hey, we're going to do a story. We want to know if you'd be willing to do an interview. Scott, you can imagine, right? This This is the morning of. So we're a train wreck. And I said, no. It was, an e- it was a very easy answer. I'm like, no. But then she hit me with something that as a family, we had to ruminate on it a little bit because I, I explained to you what I said to my family that morning of that we were going to live like he lived. Now, that phrase hadn't come up yet. But what she said was, is I just want you to consider it because if I do a story on it tonight without you, it's going to be a report about his death. Mm-hmm. If you'll do it with me, I'll let you tell the story of his life. And you can include your faith. You can include whatever it is about his story that you want to share. So I hung up. We talked as a family and ultimately decided to do the interview for that reason. Because we felt like even though this is going to be really hard, this is our first chance to live out what we've already established this morning that we're going to focus on his life. So we did the interview. And ultimately what happened is somewhere in it, because the interview itself is total blur. If I didn't have the video to look back at, I wouldn't have been able to tell you anything that happened, honestly. But we do. And when she played the segment that night, did an amazing job. And at some point during the interview, Scott, I said, he lived his life big, bold, and brave. I don't remember saying it. But what she did was instead of playing me saying it, at the very end of her segment, she said, Gabriel's parents, they they encourage you to live like Gabriel, big, bold, and brave. And when I heard it back to me, it just had life on it. And so initially it just became our own personal family mantra. That's all it was. As I said earlier, it was a couple of years later before I started thinking about writing the book and ultimately starting my personal development company, which is big, bold, brave. Now to get back to your question, big, bold, brave is a journey. That's the first place I want to start with that listener out there who's just feeling maybe hopeless or at least stuck. This life is a journey. And, and I don't know how you define it, Scott. I know a lot of people, and I, again, I said I was a pastor for 17 years, so pastors love to preach about destiny. And I'm okay with that. There's nothing wrong with that word, and, you, and it has its place. 
but I believe a better way to describe life is journey, right? Because there's different things that happen, great things, tough things, fun things, sad things. It's, it truly is more of a journey. And so that's how I feel about Big Bull Braves. For that listener out there, listen, for us, Big Bull Brave in those early days was exactly what you described. It was being Big Bull Brave enough to get out of bed. It was being Big Bull Brave enough to just get up and do the work we needed to do and to be able to take care of our boys. And at that time, we'd also, we had planned a church just a few months before that. Mm. Big Bull Brave was just doing some of the things that we needed to do to take care of those families that we had committed to. So Big Bull Brave, I don't want, you know, the listeners to think about it as this destination down the road and, you know, that, that in order to start living Big Bull Brave, you have to have arrived already. I don't care where you are. You absolutely can start living Big Bull Brave now. And it may be just that simple. It may be today, I'm just going to get out of bed. Today, I'm going to go get a workout in. You know, today, I'm going to do something kind for someone. It, it can take a lot of forms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does that, a lot of what you were sharing that kind of woke you up to this is around grief pain, negative kind of experiences. How do you think those grief, pain, those things that show up that are hard and and obviously are nobody ever wishes anything like that on anyone else. (laughs) It's not. And yet they show up in all of our lives in different ways. Uh, not, Not everyone's lost a child, but I think everyone's had things that are traumatic to them or experiences that were painful. How do you think, what would you say to somebody around those areas of pain and how that intersects with finding your purpose, finding your dreams, living the life that you're talking about? Yeah, I think there's a couple of key things. the, The first that happened for me with when Lou, when I lost Gabriel and what that ultimately did to me and, and my family is death has a way of waking you up, right? Now, I know in some cases, people can go into a pit and they can live decades trapped in the pain of losing someone to death. But uh, there's also a lot of people that it wakes up because what it does, whether or not I believe in eternity, but whether you do or you don't, we all know we have a limited time in this particular skin suit we're in, right? And so there is something about a death that makes it really in your face that I only have so much time. So to me, that's a part of it, recognizing that every day is a gift. And ultimately, what do I want that gift to say, you know, when my time is done. So to me, perspective is a part of that. I also think with, I want to make sure I'm answering the question, the where you're trying to go with this. Can you give me just a little bit of a guide there so I can make sure I really so, want to help your yeah. listener with this. When, when I think a lot of folks, it, we, we all have different forms of pain that show up in our life. Yeah. And again, not always is it even a death. It's just things that, that we go through. How does that pain intersect with our ability to, to use your words, wake up <laughs> yeah. to the idea that we can live that big, bold life? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess to some extent, is it even necessary to have those painful moments? You know? Right. <laughs> I think to your point, and I'm glad you brought that up actually, because I think there's a, a something we need to distinguish here. First of all, we never, as a human, you never need to feel obligated to compare pain. Loss is loss. Again, I mentioned part of the reason why I wrote the book and what it was for was because of all the tremendous loss and fear that came through the pandemic and COVID and all that. So I think, first of all, loss is significant and it's relative to every human being. So you don't need to feel lesser than because my loss doesn't seem to compare to that loss. Comparison is just a, it's just a bad gig anyway. So that being said, I think one thing we recognize, I'm a neuroscience geek, and we're, we're not going to get into the weeds of that because I'm not a neuroscientist. But what we do know with the study of brain science is that, as you said earlier, we've all suffered some form of trauma, most likely, over the course of a lifetime. And a lot of times that happens at a very young age. And so trauma tends to inform the way you see the world and the way you respond to the world. And even ultimately the way you decide to embrace your part in the world. And if you don't do some intentional things, you can get really trapped and not become who you were created to be. And so for me, when you start talking about the pain and the loss, I think the first thing you have to do if if you feel like maybe you're stuck is you have to, and maybe you need some help. I am a huge proponent of therapy. There is no shame in therapy. So if you've been trapped for decades, go talk to somebody, or it may just be a really trusted friend who has your best interest at heart, who has some wisdom. <laughs> That's one key, Scott, right? Whenever we talk to anybody, we want to make sure they have some wisdom, some applied successful knowledge. But talk to someone and if you, and sit if you down. want to learn about marriage, don't go ask the person that's been divorced five times. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like accountability partners. Choose someone who holds you accountable. That's great. But you want someone who's had some success as well. So <laughs> yeah. great point. But I think ultimately you need to be able to sit down and take a pause because the most common question that I've been asked over the 20 plus years of being in ministry. And then now as a personal development coach is what am I purpose? What am I here for? And people that on the surface look wildly successful, whether it's in business or as an executive of a company or whatever, and making good money or whatever, all those metrics that we see that we think, Oh, there's a successful person. They're asking the same question. Right. And I think most of the time it's because nobody has slowed down enough to really be able to sit down and say, what does really matter to me? What do I really want to do with my life? And what is holding me back? What One of the things I love to do is I love to ask people to tell me their story in their words. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound very profound, but what ends up happening is in telling their story, usually there's some words or some phrases that come out of that in the way they described it that really put a spotlight on those trauma-informed things that they may not even know are operating in the background of their mind. And then once it's on the surface, once it comes out, especially when it comes out of their own mouth, now you can begin to take a hard look at that, analyze it, and figure out what steps you need to take 
to move the needle, right? To move yourself in a direction where you really are becoming that person that you wanted to become and doing the things you want to do, which may require <laughs> taking some risk, right? Mm-hmm. It, and that brings us to a, a follow-up question on that is part of what you're talking about there is that idea of self-awareness, that idea of right. self-reflection. And I think you're right. I think a lot of us have the, the scripts that we play out Absolutely. And we don't even know where the script came from. It's just, it's just, this is the way it is. How do you see that self-awareness fitting in to to this journey as well? How important is that? I, I think it's absolutely critical because until you have a clear understanding of yourself, until you're self-aware of what your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, um, one, one thing I did recently that I'll share with your listeners really quick, cause here's a, an action item you can take that I found fascinating. I have a mentor, my mentor challenged me. He said, what do you do? <laughs> we ask that question all the time, right? Okay. What do you do for a living? And so I started to answer it the way I thought made sense as far as my coaching and speaking and that kind of stuff. And he goes, man, that's a lot of buzzwords. <laughs> <laughs> and so what was interesting about that is he had years ago interviewed over the course of a couple of years, a thousand multimillionaires. And the interesting thing about that, why I'm bringing it up is he asked them all the same question. These are CEOs of major companies that you would know. No one could answer it without using just generic buzzwords that really didn't tell you anything. So here was the challenge. The challenge was, he said, I want you to contact at least three of your clients. And I want you to ask them, what do you do? And I recorded it. And what was fascinating about that is there was a lot of common language there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so what I'm getting at is just simply this. Sometimes becoming self-aware isn't an isolated activity. I think it's healthy to sit down and write things out as you think of them. That's a good thing. You need to, to ask yourself some questions to help you become self-aware, but also the people around you can help you become more self-aware of who you really are, Mm -hmm. how you really are perceived in this world, because they're the ones who really know. (laughs) The truth is we tend to do one of two things, right? We either create in our minds this horrible version of who we are, and we're far worse in our own mind than the world perceives us, or it's the opposite. We think we do think we're much kinder than we really maybe are. We're much funnier than we really are. We bring energy to a room when maybe we actually suck the life out of it. So I think those two things together, learning how to sit down in a quiet space and ask yourself, and you can Google questions. If this is something that you want to do, you don't have to struggle to figure out how to do this. You can Google some great questions for self-awareness, right? And do that activity by yourself, but then bring in some people that you've been around for a while and ask them the same questions. And you're going to really learn some great things about who you really are. And then, of course, you're going to learn where maybe there's some gaps that you want to learn how to fill and improve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know uh, I was in the corporate world for a number of years, and they have this wonderful thing they call a 360 feedback review that uh-huh. they come in and an outside organization comes in and interviews anonymously, both the people that you report to and the people that report to you and then people that are parallel to you. If you're a middle manager, they other middle managers that you work with. So 
the same level as you, but not necessarily reporting to you. And it's always interesting to get that feedback and read through it and be like, like you said, a, a lot of times it's humbling no matter what, because it's either yeah. humbling because you're se seeing something in writing and going, I never knew I came across like that. Yeah. Or you're seeing something in writing and going, wow, I never thought that I came across like that. Exactly. <laughs> you know? same, same sentence, different tone. So good. <laughs> <You know>? So good. <laughs> But because it, it, it's just I it, and again, it's anonymous, so it's not like you can, you know, on purpose so that people right. can be honest and give you you know, clear feedback. You need that uh, protection in the corporate environment <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, exactly. But I know I had an opportunity to do it a couple of times and it was always eye opening for all of us now. The way people took that feedback was always interesting to observe as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And the point is that, in to the question that you asked me, is self awareness is critical because we have to become self aware of who we really are and then create a path of who we want to become right. before we can really make a massive impact on the planet and live our truly authentic self. There is, it's the first step. So I've got a few questions that I like to ask all of my guests, but before I go there, is there anything else about this journey to becoming and living a life that's big and, and bold and out there and making that impact that you'd like to share with the listener? I think what I would want to share right this minute is that this is unique to you. So don't get caught up in looking at what other people have done. Don't get caught up in, in assuming that it has to look a certain way. I think one of the things, again, that, that that losing Gabriel brought into it is I had realized at one point that there were certain things that I really had wanted to do for a number of years. One of those things was to start doing uh, personal development coaching outside of just being a pastor, but I didn't do it for a lot of reasons, including fear. And so I, I think what I want to really be clear is, is that you need to find the path that works for you, not what the world around you is necessarily telling you who you are and, and what value you bring to this world. That input, as we just talked about, is helpful, but ultimately it's you. And so having an impact in the world, when I say that, that can mean a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. Your impact may be, I want to be the greatest dad on the planet earth and I want my children, when it's all said and done, to say, man, I had the greatest dad ever. And not that you won't do other things too, but maybe that's for you, what I would call living big, bold, and brave and being very intentional. You may be someone who wants to have a much broader impact. And maybe you're a doctor and you want to cure a certain kind of cancer, or maybe you want to run a business where you can literally hire thousands and thousands of employees and help create a great economic future for others. Don't let comparison drag you down. You make a decision on what makes you tick, what you're passionate about, and then chase after that. So my brand is Inspired Stewardship, and I run things through that lens of stewardship. And yet that's one of those words that a lot of people use, and they use it and mean different things yeah. when they say it. So for you, when you hear the word stewardship, what does that mean to you? And what has the impact of that word had on your life? Stewardship, I think historically for me, and honestly, that phrase, I don't know that I had even heard it until I started going to church. I just don't remember that 
particular term being used in my previous it, life. It tends to be a little bit more Christianese. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If I could say that in my previous <laughs> life, I just don't, I probably heard the word, but it just went right over my head. I think historically, in the simplest terms, what stewardship means to me is that simply God has provided resources to me, whether that's financial, whether that's my own personality and the giftings that I have within me, whether that's the relationships that he has brought into my life, my part to play into the gifts that God has given me to steward those well, meaning to value them and to uh, engage in those things in a way that brings even more value to the people around me and honors God. So that to me is a very, for me, a the simplest version of it. But I love that you asked, what does it mean to me today? Because I think now, and, and I don't consider myself old at all. I'll be 58 this year. So it's not that I'm old, but again, having suffered the loss that we did and knowing that time is so short, for me now, that term stewardship means so much more because now I, I need to steward it. Mm-hmm. Every day, I need to find some way to experience joy. Every day, I need to find some way to be a blessing to the people around me. Every day, I feel like I need to steward the gifts that I've been given to make a difference. And again, they don't always have to be these big, massive impact kind of moments, but just a way to bring value to someone today. For me, stewardship has so much to do with making the most of the time that we have now. So this is my favorite question to ask everybody. (laughs) Imagine for a minute, I could invent this magic machine and I could pluck you from where you sit today and transport you into the future, maybe 150, 250 years. Through the power of this machine, you were able to look back and see your entire life and see all of the connections, all of the ripples, all of the impacts that you've left behind on the world. What impact do you hope you've left on the world? Yeah, that's a tremendous question. I think for me, at the end of it, in the final analysis, it just matters what value I said it all already, in a sense, what value I brought to people's lives. There's a lot of things I want to accomplish. I do have a list of things that I want to do and accomplish both financially and with the vision that I have for the mission of Big Bull Brave. But at the end of the day, when I'm gone, I want people to say, instead of just reading off my list of accomplishments, I want them to say that dude loved, he loved his bride. He loved his family. He loved his friends. He did his best to try and love others. And my interactions with him were for the better. And for me, it really is quite that simple. So what's on the roadmap? What's coming next as you finish out this year? Yeah, as I finish out this year, I'm going to start a, actually, I'm toying now. I've been saying podcast for a while, maybe a podcast and maybe a live show. I've been introduced to doing live shows on LinkedIn and some other things, and I'm really loving being a part of some other people's shows. So that's one thing I definitely want to do. It's going to be called Courageous Conversations. I want to sit down with people like what you're doing now and and just have incredible conversations with people that not only have experienced some challenges in life and have come through those, because I think that's great, 
but also are having an impact in other people's lives in the process. So that's definitely one thing that I want to see. And then at the end of this year, I really have a great intention of beginning to gather a collective group of people that really have committed to a movement of living Big Bull Brave. And I don't mean that to make the name or the company Big Bull Brave famous, but my my tagline, Scott, is courageous humans inspiring lives. What that means to me is at the end of this year, I want to have a thousand people that are committed to, I'm going to choose every day to be a courageous human being. And I'm not going to be one of those people that just sit back and listen to inspiring stories, which is wonderful to do. I want to be someone who lives an inspiring life. And so that's my goal at the end of this year is to have a collective group of people that I'm connected with whether it's connected with them doing their thing too. It doesn't have to be doing what I'm doing exactly, but that we've made a commitment to each other. That's how we're going to live and we're going to help change the world. You can find out more about Clint over on his website at bigboldbrave.us. Of course, I'll have a link to that over in the show notes as well. Clint, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener? I just want to encourage you today, <laughs> just today, take it one day at a time. And I, a phrase you'll hear me use a lot is courageous decisions. Make a courageous decision. Make a courageous decision that you are going to live the life of your dreams. And it may not look like that's happening today. I still face challenges like anybody, but just make a decision for yourself that you're going to make a courageous choice and Today, I'm going to do something to take a step in that direction, whether it's get a book, whether it's listen to Scott's podcast, whatever it happens to be, I'm going to do something very intentional today. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor. Go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word, iTunes rate. It'll take you through how to leave a rating and review and how to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get every episode as it comes out in your feed. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures, develop your influence, and impact the world.